Welcome to the Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Clay Maynard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Johnson. How's it going, Josh? It's well. Thank you for asking, Clay. It's been a good day. I just ate a bag of popcorn. That's completely random. (laughs) You did say there was popcorn grease on your desk. Yes, I ate a whole bag of popcorn. I'm not a popcorn fan, to be honest with you. I used to not be a popcorn fan, and I really have no idea what changed. But now, occasionally, I just eat a whole bag of popcorn. You taste for popcorn? Yeah, just randomly. Yeah. I don't mind. I like popcorn if it's very special, like if there's caramel or something on it. Do you like kettle corn? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I can't can't get it. We even go to the movies and everybody's like, oh, you have to eat popcorn when you watch a movie. Mm. Nah. Well, and people kill popcorn at the movies. They put way too much butter on it and all that stuff. And it's way too expensive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, we won't talk about my behaviors at the movies when it comes to treats. (laughs) You just lose all sense of financial literacy and start spending crazy? Uh, no, I just prepare beforehand. Oh, I got you. So you know what I mean? You, you budget that in. Yeah, I budget that in. Exactly. But I always spend that money before I get to the theater. And somehow when I'm in the theater, I've already got what I need. It just somehow made it nice. into the theater. So Nice. It's a miracle. Yeah, just because God's provides. Yes. And if you don't agree with me on that, Clay, in- please don't run me over in your car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was nowhere near close to running Josh over in his car, but he's pretending like it was some life-threatening event. Oh, now we have to explain it. I just made a joke. Now we have to go back. Well, you still broached the subject of Ladies running you over. This is a in your car. This is a sad, sad tale that I have to tell oh, you this goodness. afternoon. So dramatic. Last Wednesday, we are recording this on uh, May the tenth. Last Wednesday. I was walking to Subway right down the street from the church. My wife was out of town on work trips and I wanted dinner. So I went to get Subway and I saw Clay pull down the street that the church was at. And I thought, that's my friend Clay. I I hope he sees me and I'll wave at him. But as Clay drove by, something else had caught his eye and he didn't see me. And I had to fling myself off of the road in in straight fear <laughs> for the danger that was ensuing. <laughs> okay, the last part wasn't true. I was just I was adjusting the volume in my vehicle, and Josh is acting like he's some ten year old kid waving at Santa yeah, as he comes. He looks down. By. He's looking Goodness. down, adjusting the volume, not looking at the road, and my life flashed before my eyes. Goodness, man, this is all you just you just bought her because I didn't wave. And it's say because hi for real. the podcast wife wants the life insurance policy. That's what it is. <laughs> It was a good sub, but anyways. Um, Whatever, man. Clay, we <laughs> today are going to talk about something wonderful, which is pneumatology. Pneumatology. The, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Yes, pneumatology. What is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and why does it matter? You know, Josh, pneumatology, I was reading within the last week, and I think I've heard this before, actually, but pneuma is the Latin word for air. Mm-hmm. Scripture actually talks about uh, the wind blowing where it lists, you know, and that's what uh, God's spirit is like. And so uh, the Bible makes that connection, that comparison to wind. And pneuma actually means the same thing. Like if you get pneumonia, that's a disease of the lungs, which affects your breathing, it's your air. Uh, If you own any pneumatic tools, they're tools that are, get their power from an air compressor. 
And so pneumatology is a big word, but it just means the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the study of the Holy Spirit. That word's built into the word, the Greek word for inspiration, theos nuftos. That's why you get the whole God, God breathed. breathed. Yep, mm -hmm. that's where that comes from. Absolutely. So, Josh, we're going to talk about what is the Holy Spirit and why, it, why does it matter? What is it important for? Why do we need to understand it? And so first, what is, what is the Holy Spirit? Um, maybe my answer to that is, who is the Holy Spirit? The, something that I think we have to address at the outset, Clay, is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, power, not an influence. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Right. He is a he, a personal being, not an impersonal force. Yep. The Bible says God is a spirit. Yep. And we'll see later on, as I have some references in my notes, there's one reference, I want to say it's like Romans 8, that talks about the spirit uh, prays for us. Um, uh, let's see here. The spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Yes. We see that itself there, but we have to understand Greek and know that the word pneuma there is neuter. So the translation is not inaccurate to say itself, although... Most of the time when we read about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we see the the pronouns he or him or whatever associated with him because the Holy Spirit is a personal being, not just an it. That's right. If Josh, if we were to take all of the biblical refer references that talk about God working in the world, we would see God the Father working directly in some cases. We would see God the Son working in even more instances because he showed up in human flesh, but probably the most common sighting in scripture of God himself working is God, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in the world. Uh, we see the first one right there at the beginning of scripture, Genesis chapter one, verse two, right after creation, it says, God has created the heavens and the earth. And it says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So you see the introduction of the ministry of the Holy Spirit immediately in the second verse of scripture. So some things to to note as far as the the Holy Spirit being a person, his personhood, he possesses, you know, different characteristics and attributes of personhood. Um he possesses intellect. We read this in 1 Corinthians 2 and we see that um the spirit knows the things of God. Um, we see he has emotion because we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we see that he has will because as we'll learn later, uh, in first Corinthians 12, as the spirit gives gifts, he does so as he wills. Um, and then I find it interesting. We also see, um, the spirit actually speaking in acts several times throughout the book of acts. He spoke to Philip to go to the, speak to the Ethiopian eunuch to Peter, uh, to go talk to Cornelius. And then even there in Acts 13, when they sent out Barnabas and Saul, the Holy Spirit was the one that spoke and, and sent them out. So those are just a few real quick on the, the person of the Holy Spirit that he is, he possesses those, those attributes. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing we see about the Holy Spirit is that he has different roles throughout scripture. So in the Old Testament, for example, you see a very specific role for the Holy Spirit. Uh, it looks very different than after Jesus dies and leaves us the Holy Spirit. But you see him um, in different places. For example, uh, he dwells on men many times for temporary and selective time periods. 
uh, Samson, scripture says, uh, had the spirit of God upon him at various times in his life when he supernaturally was defending God's people. Uh, you can see this in uh, Judges 14 and in Judges 15. So you see that kind of behavior where it says the spirit of God was on someone, sort of like resting on them. Uh, we see Second uh, Peter chapter 1 tells us uh, that, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost are synonymous. It's, it's two names for the same, uh, for, for both for the God, the Holy Spirit. And so we see there in Second Peter 1, though, that he was act absolutely active, whether or not the writer of Scripture knew that was what was happening. The Holy Spirit was inspiring the, word, the words of Scripture uh, in that way throughout the Old Testament. God was actually leading them and filling them and moving them, Peter says, to do that. Yeah, David even said, he said in Second uh, Samuel 23 that the Spirit of the Lord spoke by him and that it was his words in his tongue. Um, and even David, speaking of David, he, the Bible says when he was anointed by Samuel in First Samuel 16, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So yeah, I mean, this is where we see the Holy Spirit. You're absolutely right. He, he, uh, he was temporarily indwelling people and then um, one of my favorite references, Clay, for the Holy Spirit uh, doing a special work in the Old Testament as far as indwelling and enabling people is the story with Bezalel there in Exodus 31 that God told Moses. He said, I, I've called Bez by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding. And it goes on to talk about how God was going to use him to construct all that was going to be yeah. made in the tabernacle. Yeah, him being an excellent carpenter, him being an excellent woodworker was how the Holy Spirit was filling him and using him. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Anybody out there who's thinking, I don't know if I can live full of the Spirit of God. One of the things we tend to do is hyper-spiritualize sometimes what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. Sometimes being filled with the Holy Spirit means doing a good job at what, at what God has called you to do, even in your vocation. Um, you can be filled with the Spirit doing that very thing, doing yep. it in a way that honors God. A very clear mark of the opposite is where Samuel tells Saul after his disobedience that the Spirit, it says that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So you actually see the Holy Spirit leaving a man after he's in a, uh, you know, in Saul's case was disobedient to the Lord, not, not heeding his commands. So then we see that role change, Josh. So it's kind of time to look at his role in the New Testament. Now, this happens permanently after Jesus ascends. Uh, Jesus promises in John uh, 16 and 17 that he's going to send a com the comforter he refers to the Spirit as. Uh, and we see that happen pretty quickly. Acts chapter 2, uh, the Spirit demonstrates God's power at Pentecost by miraculously causing all who are there to hear the Word of God in their own language. So that was gift a gift that was given to the apostles at that time by the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit, therefore, planted the first church. Um, uh, the power of the Spirit uh, working through the apostles. Uh, we see throughout the book of Acts, uh, they repeatedly talk about the Spirit. I mean, every time they're making a big decision, every time they're meeting together, they're praying, and the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost moving among them, the Holy Ghost, them speaking with the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about Stephen, a man that was full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, so we see the necessity of the Spirit's power throughout the book of Acts for ministry, for living in holiness, for their spiritual power and for direction when they were looking for guidance from God. Uh, Ephesians 1.13 actually talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells within each believer. This is something that 
before Christ dying, we didn't necessarily always have. But the Bible talks about in the new covenant that every believer has the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because you've been reconciled to God, the Holy Spirit's presence is not something that you have to gain or lose necessarily because of that, because of the new covenant, when Jesus did for us and reconciling us to God, we always have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. Um, Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit also dwells among us, Josh, collectively as the body of Christ. So there's actually a special blessing of the Holy Spirit that is present in church. As the body, as a body of believers gathers together, there's a special presence of that Holy Spirit that's unique. I was reading in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now, Josh, 1 Corinthians 3, growing up, it talks, you know, I always saw this passage very differently. It talks about you being the temple of God. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, it, it's encouraging you to physical holiness and separating yourself physically from physical sin. And it talks about the works of the flesh throughout the book. It talks about these things. But in that passage specifically, it says that when you sin against the temple, when you defile the temple of God, that God will destroy you. And so in other words, there's real consequences, both physical and spiritual, for living in sin and living in disobedience to what the Word of God teaches. But I've always saw that as very individualistic, like, hey, my body is the temple. And I'm not saying that's entirely untrue, but I was reading 1 Corinthians 3, 16 for this study. And it says here, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. And I always took that to mean just me. Right. And I think it's technically true of just me, but the passage here is actually referring to the church. Yeah. First Corinthians six would speak more to the individual side of that. Right. In first Corinthians three, he's, he's talking to, in this word, this where he says, ye are the temple of God. This is a plural ye. He's saying you as the body of Christ are the temple of God, which brings more power to what he goes on to say. He says, when you defile your, the temple, he's referring to your personal sin, defiling, the harming the entire body of Christ, not just you. So if you've ever been in a church where there's accountability, healthy, good accountability, that's a good thing. Yep. Because what you do, your holiness actually affects the entire church. And anyway, that's a rabbit trail. But First <laughs> Corinthians 3 does talk to the church specifically and says, you're the temple of God and the, and the spirit of God dwells in you. We see that throughout Acts 2, Josh, where they get together and pray and the Holy Ghost gives them unity in giving them direction. So there's that special filling of the spirit in the body of Christ. We see also that we need the spirit to obey Christ in sanctification and to follow him uh, to live a holy life. Galatians 5 uh, matter of fact, the whole book of Galatians speaks to this repeatedly, but Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Galatians 3 is talking about those who would try to, to summon holiness out of the, uh, the effort of their own flesh. Like, I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps and do it. And he says to them, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? He's saying the only, only real hope for sanctification is that you yield to the spirit's power. In 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 17 and 18, it says this, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So it's saying as we behold the glory of the Lord, as we behold Jesus, we are changed into Christ's image from glory to glory. And how is it done? By the spirit of the Lord. It's Mm -hmm. the spirit's power that gives us uh, the ability to do that. We could not do it on our own. Yep, that's right. 
spirit also he uh, he leads the Christian. Romans eight says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God." He teaches us. First Corinthians two tells us this um, that the Holy Spirit teaches us the things of God. He gives believers gifts. First Corinthians twelve uh, is a great reference for that. Um, he assures us. Romans eight says, "For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to to fear." but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You've talked briefly about it, but uh, he fills us. Ephesians 5 commands, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. And that's something that we have to, and we'll get to this later probably, but that's something that needs to be taking place on a daily basis. Also, we see in Romans 8, 26, that the Holy Spirit, he helps us with our prayers. The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And finally, uh, we see that the Holy Spirit powers believers. Uh, Acts 1, 8, one of the great verses on evangelism says but ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem and in all judea and in samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth this is these are some of the ways that we see the holy spirit uh and his works uh in and among believers which leads us clay to how the holy spirit interacts and how the holy spirit works um among unbelievers the lost and in salvation yeah absolutely his role among unbelievers first is conviction uh, we see john 16 uh, verses 7 and 8 it says nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away this is jesus speaking He's talking about his ascension he says for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you i want to pause for a moment josh because the interesting thing about the holy spirit is that while Jesus, because he was in a physical body, he was in one place at a time. And you see here with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, the comforter can't come until I leave. And when I leave, he's going to indwell you. And so this is God with you everywhere. You can take him with you everywhere you go. He goes on to say in, in verse 8 of John 16, And when he has come, the Holy Spirit that is, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the first ministry to unbelievers of the Holy Spirit is that of conviction to show them their sin, it says here in John 16, and therefore to show them their need of salvation. Yeah, and th that passage in John is also really good to kind of backtrack a little bit unintentionally on the div the divinity and the, the trinity as far as Christ and um, the Holy Spirit is. In John 14, 18, Christ says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then in verse 26, he says, but when the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, uh, he, uh, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever things I have sent unto you. Christ saying, um, I will come to you. I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. And then he says, the comforter that's coming, which is the Holy Spirit, we're seeing some connection there. Um, but back to our subject, that's a rabbit trail, sorry, Clay. We also see that the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ as far as the unbeliever is concerned. The Bible says in John 15, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify 
of me. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work of regeneration. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And then at the moment of salvation, believers are baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. I think it's important to note here, Clay, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as mentioned here, is a a one-time occurrence. It's not something that needs to be repeated, and it happens for believers only. You're baptized into one body as you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Before we move on, let's quickly kind of touch on the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Um, we've we've seen it already there briefly in John 14. Yeah, we kind of moved through it. A little quick there. Yeah, a little quick. Uh, but we know he possesses divine attributes and he performs divine actions. Um, just for the, the sake of time, we'll kind of go through this a little bit quickly. Um, but the omnis of God, the omnipotence, the omniscience, the omnipresence, we see this um, characterized by the Holy Spirit. Just real quick, the angel in Luke 1 said uh, to Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then two verses later, after saying the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, he says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So we're seeing some connections there. Um, he's omniscient. He knows all things. We've talked about this, First Corinthians 2. He's omnipresent. When David is writing in Psalm 139, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy present? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Um, David testifying to the fact that you can't run from God's spirit. That's right. Um, he's eternal. Hebrews 9 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Um, we, you talked about creation. We have been talking about regeneration and, the, and how the Holy Spirit is at that doing that work, which is the work of God. And then he's, he is the one that resurrects. Um, Romans 8, 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Um, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I mean, Romans 1 says that um, it is uh, that Jesus is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit that did this. Yeah, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And so we know he's he possesses these divine attributes because he is equal to yet distinct from the Father and the Son. And we won't get into spiration and all of that stuff because that's not the kind of podcast we are. Maybe one day we'll get into all of that. That'd be fun. Josh, I think if you talked about that, you and less than 10 listeners would know what you were talking about and it wouldn't be include me. <laughs> Uh, it's fun. If you want to read a good little read on that, uh, as far as the Trinity goes, um, read Swain on the Trinity. That's a really good book and it's pretty accessible. Is this, is this would you call it spiration? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff you talk about when you get uh, enrolled at Midwestern Baptist <laughs> Theological <laughs> Seminary. Well, I haven't even started yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dr. Hey, Barrett, have we even shared that with the broader no, audience? No, we haven't. We told a small group. Ah, uh, we told our small group. Yep. They got the they got the the, yeah, the scoop. I'm starting my my MDiv at Midwestern 
this fall. Come on. Rolling. So I'm pretty excited about it. If Jared C. Wilson or Dr. Matthew Barrett are listening to this podcast, I hope I can take one of your classes very, very soon. That would but, be uh, awesome. Yeah, I w- I've always wanted to take Jared Wilson's preaching cohort. Mm-hmm. He does that every year, and you don't have to be a mem- you don't have to be at uh, Midwestern. He does that separately, and yeah, that'd be sweet, really too. cool. Anyways, enough nerding out. The Holy Spirit, you just went on a on a huge. Uh, that was awesome, mm-hmm. by the way. Talking about his divinity, um, and just laying it down. The Scripture speaks with one voice on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that it is God, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, that was awesome. So that brings us to Josh. Why? Why are we talking about this? Why is the ministry of the Holy Spirit matter? Why is it important that we understand it? Um, Because this was the next doctrine we were going to cover on our podcast. (laughs) In our list. Right. Exactly. We We started the list at the beginning of the year of all the doctrines we wanted to cover. And this was next on the list. That's it. Well, also, Josh, just what I have here is because we love God. Mm -hmm. If you love God, you want to know God. And to know God is to want to know about the Holy Spirit. So that's the main reason. The Holy Spirit is God. And we love God. Secondly, there's more practically, if you you want to grow as a Christian, you're going to need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked about sanctification earlier. But it's just important to know Christians will not be able to live effectively for God if they don't understand how the Holy Spirit operates in their life. If the Holy Spirit's not operating in your life, you're not going to live a holy life. You're not going to live in sanctification. You're not going to live in obedience to God. It is God working through you. And and you see that throughout the Paul's epistles, especially. He talks about uh, that. Uh, I mean, in one place he says, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's not just, you can't live for God in the way that's pleasing to him of your own effort alone. And Galatians bears this out repeatedly. Uh, It's only through the spirit that a believer is empowered to live for God and produce spiritual fruit. Galatians even calls spiritual growth fruit of the spirit. If you're familiar with that famous passage in Galatians 5, it's called the fruit of the spirit. So that spiritual growth is the product of the spirits working in your life. And it can lead if you don't, if you're not yielding to the Spirit, you're not relying on the Spirit, you're not depending on the Spirit, you're going to depend on something else, and that's going to be your own effort. Um, and Scripture shows that that's, that's fruitless. Uh, you have to depend on the Spirit to bless your efforts um, in order, and that's necessary for spiritual growth and sanctification. And lastly, I would say the big reason is discernment. One of the, we, you talked about this earlier, that the Holy Spirit leads. You were talking about that as being one of the roles. Yeah. I think it bears repeating here that the why you need to understand this is because if you want to be led of the Lord, there's obvious, there's the obvious ways. There's going to church and hearing the preaching of God's word. There's reading God's word for yourself. There's praying and, and submitting to God through repentance and through confession and through prayers for strength. But then there's that leading of the spirit that can only happen as you are seeking to follow the spirit throughout your day. It's the idea that I don't want to quench the spirit. Paul talks about quenching the spirit in our life by ignoring him, by neglecting him, by not following his lead. So there's clearly a way to follow the spirit's leading. And that discernment, that discretion that you need as a Christian to make decisions that are spiritual comes from the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so your relationship to the Holy Spirit is going to determine your success daily walking and making spiritual decisions as a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that we may want to hit on here before we sign off is there's been an overreaction over the years 
And I want to begin by saying this is by no means an exhaustive treatment on pneumatology or the person work with the Holy Spirit. But there's been an overreaction over the years of, of this like fear of the Holy Spirit, this fear of um, the charismatic kind of view of things. And because we serve a triune God, we can't neglect a person of the Trinity out of fear of what other people people or denominations have done or said in the past. Um, yeah. Yeah. You may have seen people say that the Holy Spirit was moving and the whole crowd burst out into laughter and it was just weird. Oh, don't YouTube revival. That. Um, That'll creep you out. Don't, yeah, don't, don't search very, that on YouTube. It's very weird. There's, <laughs> laughing fits. There may be a services. spirit there, but it ain't the Holy one. Um, <laughs> don't let those kind of things and like the charismatic movement and the, new apostolic revival and all that nonsense. Yep. Don't let that drive you away from talking about and if you will, relationship with the Holy spirit. Yeah. It just in general, just so you know that that kind of stuff really came back, came around in the early 1900s, like 1901. I think in fact it was, uh, don't let some, don't let somebody teach you a doctrine of the Holy spirit. That means that nobody was filled with the spirit from the time of the apostles to 1901. Well, and I mean, and, you had the charismatic revival there in like the, the 70s and 80s too. Yeah, that's when it really became super prominent. And just understand that just because somebody twists a doctrine doesn't mean we should be scared of it. I agree with what you're saying here, Josh. We've talked about this on several topics. I feel like the word election is one word we've talked about before where we're like, oh, we got to be careful how we talk about it. That's a Bible word. It has yeah. a meaning. We shouldn't be scared to talk about things that are in the Bible because somebody has twisted it. I, I even feel like we, you and I both know people who do this with the doctrine of repentance. They're scared of the word repent because somebody twisted the definition of repentance to mean something it doesn't mean. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't be scared of Bible words and we should reclaim them. Well, and you certainly shouldn't be scared of the third person of the Trinity. That's right. You know, the, right. the Holy Spirit of God. No, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to work in your life in ways that, you know, may be different than mine or whatever. And you may not get a tingly sensation all over your body yeah, when the Holy Spirit not, works. <laughs> but it's not, it's not my spidey senses, Josh. Yeah, just be have <laughs> have a relationship. I think we sell our Christianity short when we have a relationship with God the Son, but we never speak to God the Father or God the Holy Spirit in prayer. Man, that's good, Josh. Our, uh, we serve a God in Trinity and we must, our, our Christianity must be fueled by that very orthodox doctrine. So that's my little bonus rant as well, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people have seen emotionalism blamed on the Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah. That's, that's a really good way to put that. And so you see a lot of environments where it's like, oh, something special is happening and it's just people are getting hopped up on some other emotion and they think emotion is the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> You'll even see this in some modern worship environments, as they call them. Oh, the spirit was moving. And really all it was, was the use of beautiful music or, or glitter coming out of the air vents. Yeah. <laughs> glitter coming out of the air vents. Yeah. Gold falling from the ceiling and smoke machines and stuff to produce an emotional response. And I'm not here to tell you that all emotions are sinful. I'm just right. telling you that emotion, there's a difference between the moving of the spirit and emotions. And yes. sometimes those two things are conflated. I, Josh, I've been in those. Have you, have you ever been in a service where people were running? If I have, I don't remember it. I've been in a service where it's just been 
lots of screaming and stuff like yeah. that. I was in I was in services where they were throwing toilet paper rolls around the room. Believe it or not, I was in a service where they were throwing songbooks. Uh, people were throwing, uh, tossing chairs in the corners and doing crazy things. I, I was hollering, running around the room. I never saw speaking in tongues at any of the ones because I'm a Baptist. But there is similar. You'd, it's it's surprising to me now that it, with the age of technology, Josh, how many videos from charismatic Pentecostals and the like hyper camp meeting revivalist Baptists. It looks really similar. The only difference is the tongues. Yeah. And so uh, be careful to to know that hey, just because the preacher's preaching a certain way, and because the music is to, or because the music is touching me a certain way, or because other people are crying and running and and or or a lot of people are at the altar. There can sometimes be this this pull into an emotional response. Uh, some a lot of times the Holy Spirit is working in services where where there's a lot of emotional response. But don't be so taken in by the emotional response that you blame yes. those responses you're seeing on the Holy Spirit because it's not always the case. It's just important to know the difference. And yeah. I think Romans eight actually really helps us understand the way the Spirit works in our day to day life. And and maybe this will bring some clarity if you're out there like, well, how do I know? Romans 8 says this way. I'll just read from verse 1. We're going to read through verse 6 here because it's it's so clear on the way the Spirit works in us. It says, There is thou, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Josh, if I can stop right there. Some of the things I've seen in, in church have sometimes been out and out flesh. Mm-hmm. It's because we desire a sign of some sort, and we want that outward expression of the Spirit's moving as evidence. He's saying, we're not walking after the flesh, we're walking after the spirit. It goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. I love this part right here because it's so simple but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I love this because what what does it mean to walk in the spirit? It means to get up in the morning and mind the things of the spirit. This war happens in our minds, Josh. And and I like this passage because it shows how walking in the spirit is not some spooky magical spidey sense thing like we were joking about before it's a moment by moment relationship where we surrender our minds not to our own will but to the spirit of god and by yielding my mind to the spirit i can walk in the spirit and i can have victory over my flesh the spirit is our power to live that god honoring life and if you feel if you're in your christian life and you feel stuck you feel trapped you feel burned out you feel burned burdened maybe with something you don't feel you can give victory over it could be that outside of church and outside of your devotional time in the morning, you're going it alone. You're not walking in a daily, sometimes hour by hour, sometimes moment by moment relationship with the Holy Spirit. You were not meant to walk this Christian life alone. And so really lean into that and appreciate what we have in the Holy Spirit and start growing in this understanding so that you can walk with the Spirit every day. Yeah, because if you're not, at some point, you're just going to get frustrated. Oh yeah. And your Christianity is going to be like, it's going to stall out. You're going to think you're producing the fruits of the spirit when you're really not and all that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Clay, what if we end up, end it with this? The, the apostolic benediction. 
2 Corinthians 13, 14, as we wrap up our, our third doctrine on the three people, the persons of the Trinity. Here it is. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. There it is, Josh. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community. (laughs) 